Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Fullest Podcast. I'm your host, Nikki Bostwick, and today's guest is Carolyn Pamer, who's the co-founder and CEO of Cat Beauty that has been a cult favorite wellness platform and home to some of the most magical resources, including their book, High Vibrational Beauty, and their blog, The Thinking Cap. She created Cap seven years ago to share the power of plants with as many people as possible, and I was such a big fan, and I continue to be a fan of Cat Beauty, and I was a huge fan of their store in New York City when they opened, and so I'm really excited to have you on, Carrie Lynn. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Nikki. I'm happy to be here. I know a little bit about you. Obviously, we've connected a lot in the past and recently, but I wanted to kind of get started with just your journey and where you were at before you started CAP, what you were up to, because I know that you were in the fashion world and that's definitely, you know, impacted the way that you've built CAP and the branding and everything. It's all seeped in. It's so beautiful. So tell us a little bit about your past before starting CAP and what led you to start it. So I um, I went to school for interior design. Um, I've always been interested in the arts and design. And um, I worked many, many years ago um, at Martha Stewart, which is where my previous business partner, Cindy, and I met. This was a long time ago. I think we were there like in the late 90s. Wow. Um, before the company went public. And I did styling and I did kind of worked in the craft department. I was like a permanent freelancer. Um, Cindy was a stylist and I also did product development. It was a really amazing place to work at that time. It was super injected with just like creativity and really the highest standards of kind of everything in terms of the Martha Stewart world. And I just loved working there. It was really rigorous and and challenging, but also really satisfying. And so Cindy and I met there. And then after I decided to leave Martha Stewart, um, I had decided to open up a boutique and that was in Brooklyn. And this was kind of pre-Brooklyn being what Brooklyn is now. Um, it was yeah. really just the only place I could afford rent. So um, I opened up a store there called Castor and Pollux. And Cindy and I were friends at that time. And after I'd been there for maybe, I don't know, like a year and a half, she was encouraging me to move into Manhattan, which was a wise move for a lot of reasons. And so I moved the store into Manhattan. Kind of before I'd started the store, I worked for, I kind of jumped around from job to job. I was like all over the place. I was young and didn't really know what I was doing, but was always interested in the creative field and arts and design. And like I worked with Sean McPherson and Eric Good on their restaurants in New York. I opened up a store for Christiane Sell of the kind of Calypso empire and and then ended up opening my own place. And um, after a while, I was at Castor and Pollux and I was just seeing like the shift in multi-label boutiques seemed to be moving on moving out with the introduction of a lot of fast fashion. This was kind of at the beginning of fast fashion being a really huge, impactful way that people shopped prior to people knowing, you know, the negative consequences and impact that fast fashion has. But I was starting to see that that was impacting my sales and my offerings. And I had just become really disillusioned with fashion in general, you know, it was like a pretty high end boutique. And I had a lot of women who would come in and they, it was pretty rare that somebody left really happy. Either they couldn't afford what they wanted or they didn't have the body that they felt was right for what they wanted to buy or they didn't have the life. Like there was a lot of lack in that realm. And 
I'm a really sensitive person and I would just kind of feel it. And it was really intense for me. And I knew all those feelings myself. So I was really familiar with them and it just started to not feel that great in terms of the experiences that people were having. And at that time, I wasn't really interested in health and wellness. I would like dip my toes in and I would do like a cleanse. And then I'd like, you know, go drink a bunch and eat after that. And I wasn't really oriented towards like taking care of myself in the way that I am now. But I found out that I went to the doctor and had some blood taken and tests run because I was just feeling terrible. Like I just, my body felt really, really run down. And my doctor would say to me like, oh, you know, you're getting older. You live in New York. You have your own business. This is kind of the way it is. And I think I was like, I don't know how old I was then, Nikki, but probably like 38 or something. And I was like, wow, if I feel this way now, I don't really know how I'm going to feel when I'm 70. Just seemed impossible that the way I felt would just keep getting worse. So he did some blood work and he found out that I had celiac um, upon revealing what the blood work had to say. And so I really shifted everything at that point in time, kind of slowly, like I, I shifted my food that I was consuming and felt an immediate difference in how I felt, how I looked, how I kind of like came forward in the world. I just felt so much better. And that led, as all of us kind of, I'm assuming, listening to your podcast know, down to, oh, what are the other areas that I can approach in my life that might, if I up-level them, might make me feel better? And one of those was beauty. And at that point in time, I hadn't really seen anybody doing um, natural beauty in a way that I found really inspirational and kind of sexy and sophisticated. You know, it all kind of lived at the health food store, which was fine and just one way of approaching it. But I felt like there was another realm and we were missing out on a lot of men and women who were used to shopping in a certain way and they just didn't have that offering. So I asked Cindy to be my business partner. She wanted to be the big business partner. And we opened up Cap in that space where Castor and Pollux, my previous clothing store, had been and pivoted. And I know that's a really overused word, but I it's very appropriate here. And shifted over and opened up Cap in 2014, Valentine's Day. And there was really nothing like it at all when we opened. Yeah, I mean... Oh gosh, your your history is so incredible and impressive and how fun to have been at Martha Stewart and helped opening those restaurants. And obviously I know it sounds more glamorous at times than like you know, required obviously a lot of work, but the experience there led you to create this incredible platform. And um, I love that CAP is like uh, the name Cap comes from Castor and Pollux, right? It's like- it does, yeah. It's funny. That was always a nickname for Castor and Pollux. And it was always a, um, a name I wanted to name my horse, but I opened the store <laughs> before getting the horse. I'm still working on the horse. Um, but when I get the horse, it'll definitely be named Cap. And hopefully Aww. I'll be able to do that sooner rather than later, but we'll we'll see. Now you're now that you're in California, probably. So, yeah. yeah, you're in the right part for mm-hmm. sure. Um, yeah. So, and I love that it's like cat beauty because it just totally goes back to that transition and realizing that feeling. I mean, it's so interesting. Would you say that when you started your store or when you started to transition mm-hmm. out of it? really realized that feeling and then fast fashion came along and people like you mentioned didn't understand the negative aspects of fast fashion as we do now but would you say that at the time because of the way that it affected you you were aware of what was happening 
in that. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I mean, I, I, um, it never really sat well with me, but I didn't have like a really academic understanding of the impact environmentally yeah. in a humanitarian realm it was having, but it, it just didn't sit well with me to, I didn't have like, um, really dialed in, you know, so many people have done like such deep dives into the impact that has had, you know, as a humanitarian issue and also as an environmental issue. Now at this point in time, those things I wasn't aware of, maybe they were out, but I wasn't aware of them, but it didn't sit well with me just intuitively. It felt wrong that something could be made so quickly that was mimicking something else that somebody had taken so long to create and and more often than not came from a place of like true creativity so it it never felt right to me and it and it wasn't and i'm not judging anybody who who does shop that way or did shop that way it just wasn't something that made sense to me and it wasn't really a realm that i went down into it's not how i consume yeah um, and I'm not saying that in like a way, like I'm superior at all. It's just not never, it, it always felt kind of like, like cheap food, you know, and every once in a while, like cheap food is kind of fun to eat, but as the, as your kind of main source of substance, it didn't, it doesn't feel good. Um, so it just started to feel kind of bad to me. Yeah. I love that analogy so much. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so you started CAP because obviously you had that experience with celiac, you started shifting and I love those stories so much because more and more people experience that and you're interested in seeing what else you can do if you feel better this way, what else? But it's interesting because like you said, you started in 2014, you opened the store and like you said, there weren't very many, if at all, like I can probably only think of one, which is moon juice kind of mm -hmm. that wellness is beauty aspect as well, but they were still probably maybe just about to launch their dusts in that world. Yeah. And pivot. so it wasn't necessarily that that was even out. Yes. Um, so it is a new like category that you guys had created and thought about. And that's incredible that you yeah. thought that you, you know, had that vision and Thank you. I'm curious what inspired that. I mean, you mentioned was beauty a big part of your routine or, you know, how did you incorporate that idea of like wanting to share plants with the world and the natural world and how that has impact on beauty? Yeah. I mean, neither Cindy nor myself came from a traditional beauty background. Um, like I mentioned, we came from Martha Stewart, which I think is a much more um, multidimensional um, definition of beauty, but we didn't come from like the really like beauty girl that works in a magazine background. That wasn't our background. And I think that, I think that that actually benefited us because it allowed us to do things and see things in a way that maybe others with that more kind of rigorous beauty background wouldn't have seen. So it just made a lot of sense logically that plants would be a part of this and that internal beauty would have to be a part of external beauty, especially for me having celiac and seeing such a radical transformation in my skin when I cut gluten out of my diet. You know, I had really, really bad cystic acne. I was at the dermatologist and at the facialist and doing all the things that I thought were right for my skin, like peels and just like, I would go to sleep crying some nights because my skin would hurt so much from trying to fix it, quote unquote, with these kind of more traditional derm oriented results um, back in, you know, like the early 2000s. 
And so when I saw a shift happen on my external that was connected to what I was doing internally, it just, it all kind of like dropped into place. It was like, well, how can these exist separate from each other? They, they can't, they can't for me. It can't, I can't be the only person that's experiencing this. So if we start cleaning up what we're doing internally, then we have the ability to modify how we present externally. And that's when I came up with beauty is wellness and wellness is beauty. And, and when we kind of presented that tagline, you know, some press people and just others didn't really understand it. Those words weren't inextricably linked in the way that they are so much now. Now it's like, I feel like there's a pretty general understanding that's gaining momentum that what we do, you know, all the other acts during our day result in how you feel and how you look. Yeah. Um, And so I don't like, I'm not the person who knows like the new lipstick color. Like I love beauty, but I like it as a much kind of broader, more expansive term. There's a poet that I love more than anything named John O'Donohue. And I've referenced him a lot in kind of my writings, but he is Irish or was Irish. He's since passed and he has a book called On Beauty. And he speaks so elegantly about this concept of beauty and how it has the ability to impact us and how it actually influences everyone, regardless of whether we recognize it or not. And he's not talking about beauty in terms of like lipstick, moisturizer, serum. He's talking about it as like this kind of overarching God concept. And that's really how I like to think of beauty. And it's why there's so much kind of ritual and ceremony attached to what it is that um, we bring into the world from CAP. Hi, everyone. Welcome again to the Fullest Podcast. As you may or may not know, we've been sharing the benefits of saffron with our community for a little while now, and I want to offer 15% off our entire product line to our podcast listeners with code the fullest podcast at checkout online at thefullest.com. Growing up in a Persian family, I'd always felt the benefit of saffron in my life, but it wasn't until I stumbled on the research that it made me realize what powerful medicine it is. Saffron has been proven over and over again in clinical double-blind placebo trials to be an effective form of treatment for depression, anxiety, and ADHD. Saffron has been used by many cultures for thousands of years for these purposes, and now the research is here to finally back it up, proving that plant medicines and ancient healing practices can actually be an effective alternative to pharmaceuticals. At the fullest, we believe that incorporating this ancient wisdom into our modern lives is the most powerful and accessible path to healing. We also believe that everyone's journey is unique, so our product line offers a variety of formulas to help you curate saffron into your personal wellness routine. Warm Feelings is our saffron latte powder and comes in individual sachets and in large sustainable glass jars. Featuring 150 milligrams of high-grade saffron in a creamy bed of coconut and cardamom, it's the perfect coffee alternative and feel-good start to your day. If you prefer to pop a pill, Kinder Thoughts is our 30-day supply of saffron capsules, and it's a super simple way to support your body and mood with the power of saffron, not to mention it's really amazing for headaches if you feel one coming on. Our saffron soaks are the latest addition to our product lineup, which include Exheal, our saffron salt bath blend, and Inheal, our probiotic-rich saffron milk bath blend. Soak in them to support your digestion, inflammation, and support your skin microbiome. 
Honestly, at the moment, I'm using each of these products on a daily basis depending on my needs. And help you begin your saffron journey, we're offering a discount of 15% off just for our podcast listeners with code THEFULLESTPODCAST at checkout. I hope you enjoy your new daily saffron ritual. No, I love that. And back to that, just the concept of feeling like you need to fix something, right? I think it's interesting because then in the modern wellness industry, sometimes it can feel like that as well. Um, You know, there's something to fix or perfect about our health. Mm -hmm. Um, I've definitely been down that route and I've come out the other side and it feels so great because I do think that there's this balance and it's really like what you're saying, this different perspective. So it could be that same story of productivity or consumption Mm -hmm. that even like the, you know, fashion world or whatever had. But I think that perspective really is slowing down and having that pleasure and really being that holistic perspective. And that's really what CAP has. And that's what you guys have shared. So I'm curious if you still feel like the idea of pleasure is still underrepresented in the wellness space. Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, I think that you just mentioned to go back to this fix it mentality. That's something that, you know, I've been guilty of. I'm still guilty of. It's like kind of an unwinding and a detangling of a lot of how we have functioned in the world. And I think that concept of beauty is pretty patriarchal. It's very much like fix this, cover this up. I mean, like, you know, one of our main makeup lines from my childhood is called cover up. I think it obviously still exists, but it's like, what a strange concept that is when you really break it down to like, what are the semantics of that? Like I need to cover myself up. And totally. it's, it's oh my like God. really wild and makeup is like, you're making something up. Um, it's just strange yeah. start breaking those down. And, and, and believe me, like I've been guilty. And like I said, I still am. And, and I think it's really hard to remove yourself from this fix it mentality. But when you do with intention and you actually start nourishing your body in a way that's not about removing something or taking something away or this like really kind of rigid viewpoint of I have to fix myself, there's like a lot of expansiveness that happens there. And I don't think that's really easy to get to because we haven't learned that. But to be honest, it's one of the biggest items that I want to share with people from kind of my journey with CAP is like I was in a lot of pain. I was in a lot of discomfort. And once you start removing that kind of rhetoric that's been ingrained in us since we were young, especially as you know women, there is a real freedom there, but it's not easy to do. Yeah. I think wellness has like jumped in on that and just kind of landed us in a new version of fix it that has like a different cosmetic on it. And I just, and that's really challenging and hard to see because sometimes it's really cloudy and it's really hard to actually identify that fix up, fix it mentality is now being kind of like cloaked in something else. Yeah, I actually just did another podcast with my, I'm sure you know, Taylor I. Walker. Yeah. And it was so interesting because it's kind of the same thing we're talking about. She was mentioning how our patterning follows yeah. us, right? Anywhere. So in her practice, when she works with people one-on-one, you know, you're doing all this spiritual meditations and all these things, but she says that like 
And it's exactly the same thing that you're saying. It's about identifying those patterns because they'll show up anywhere and we can just take it too far. And once we identify them and see, then that's the real like breakthrough, right? Because then it's like, oh, you can hide um, behind all these things. So they can be really slippery and super insidious and show up as something that maybe presents as a positive. Exactly. But then we can attach so tightly to it. And again, I say this with no judgment because I've been there and I can be there and and I'll be there again. But like they can be almost like shapeshifters. Yeah. um, Sense that it's like, oh, this is going to make me look better. This is going to make me feel better. This is going to make, you know, fill in the blank. Yeah. Trying to be different. Uh so funny. Okay. So going back to your journey with cap, you guys opened the store. That's kind of where we left off. But the other thing that you guys did that was, I mean, amazing that no one else has really, I mean, I've never been anywhere that does this. You had the store and then you had the treatment in yeah. the back, which was so special. And nice. it's so much. I mean, I, I never let anyone touch my face. My mom is an esthetician and oh, she she's the only person that's ever touched my face. And it's been years. Uh, the only facial I've ever let anyone give me was at Cap. Oh, that's amazing. Who did you see, Nikki? Do you remember who you went to? I don't remember because, you know, I would visit. So yeah. it was definitely only when I would just like visit in New York, but it was the experience, the comforter, like, I mean, just so many things that you guys thought of that no one else does. I miss it so much. And um, I'm curious, like, did you start, did you open cap with that idea and already have that room set up? That was always the intention. Yeah. That I felt like there was, um, there was like an experience that needed to happen in this space that would make people really understand the power and efficacy of the products on a really tactile level. Um, and I didn't want it to just be about just buying a product and then taking it home. Like cap has always been really oriented towards education and, and that having those three treatment rooms was a really big part of that. Having our brilliant, brilliant estheticians who were, um, we hired Christina Holy, who you probably know. She's a brilliant esthetician out of California. We hired her to create the protocol. So it was her protocol for CAP. Um, and it was very, very massage-based. Like prior to that being a really big thing, it was kind of newer in that sense. We didn't really do much extractions. And it was really all about kind of massage and manipulation of the face through really intense, educated, skilled massage. But that was always a big part. And we also did events in the store as well, which was another one of the arms of that education tactic of like, how do we make these products as interesting as possible and also give our customers and clients as much information as possible so they feel empowered to use them at home? Yeah, it's brilliant. And and from a business perspective, obviously from a service perspective and a way to share the products with people it's so beautiful but then from a business perspective it's brilliant because then though people start to use new products that they may not have been drawn to and understand them more and then there's an expert that's educating them on it i mean it's brilliant yes. truly yes. was brilliant and to go back to you know you use the word pivot and it is used a lot but that's because 
in entrepreneurship, in business, in life, like that's what life is. We adapt, we pivot, and we just see what works. And there's just been so much of that lately with COVID. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you and Cindy created this incredible company that changed so many people's lives. And then since you guys have parted ways, and that was kind of when I talked to you, like right before COVID and you had um, made the decision to be the one to take on the business, which is a big risk. And then COVID hit. So I'm, I'm so curious, like how everything has changed obviously for you and Cindy to have started that together and just like that journey for you, especially not knowing what you were then about to get into, right? Which is everything yeah. happening with the world. I mean, you took on so much. I'm yeah. I'm sure it really was just like crazy to then go through that on your own, um, yes. ha- not having a business partner. So kind of share, I'd love to hear about that journey for you. Yeah. Um, it was, uh, <laughs> the past couple of years have been a lot. The past few years have been a lot. Um, Cindy and I decided to part ways in, I believe it was July of 2019. So she wasn't with the business, um, at the point in time that COVID happened. She had been wanting to do more styling. She comes from a styling background and she has a family and, and wanted to really kind of focus on other areas and had helped create the creative vision and the direction for the brand in a really profound way. Um, when she and I worked really closely on all aspects of the business and, you know, some, not some, but a lot of partnerships will shift, morph, change. People want different things. People are interested in different avenues of, you know, expansion for their own selves and for their life. So we got to that place and moved in different directions and then COVID happened. And it's kind of a blur. It's it's interesting. I have a tendency to black things out when they're really intense. And I was just thinking about COVID just yesterday, obviously, because we're coming up. We closed the store, which we thought was going to be for a short period of time, obviously, like everyone else on March 16th. So we're coming up on that two-year anniversary. So I've been thinking a lot about it. And um, for us, COVID allowed us to really dive in and see what was working, what wasn't working. We obviously scaled back in a massive, massive way. I like pretty much everyone else was in the position that I had to let go of almost all of my staff. I had one staff member who had been the manager of the store. She's amazing. Her name is Julia. You've probably dealt with her. Um, Since become brand director and she has really risen and and risen to the task of helping us um, move through COVID and the shifts. And um, my husband and I moved cross country. We were in New York. Now we're in California. So there were just some really major life changes that COVID accelerated. There were things that we had been interested in doing, but we just hadn't, for many reasons, been able to make them come to life. And COVID really forced us to make decisions as to what it was that we wanted to what direction we wanted to move forward in. Um, so we closed the store, obviously, which was heartbreaking and sad and closed the spa. The treatment rooms obviously were gone and just started focusing really heavily on our web sales um, and our web business. We also focus heavily on partnerships and we do a lot, a lot, you know, content is another word that's thrown out there a lot, but it is a really big part of what it is that we do at our brand. And I think of our platform as a place of discovery and really a place where, you know, we turn it over to lots of people and let them kind of share what their life looks like through, maybe it's a wellness lens, maybe it's not. 
Um, we have a lot of food people on there, um, beauty kind of all over the place, artists. And so we focused really heavily on the content part and then also the website. And I'm also focusing this year, we'll be launching our skincare line. So it's a, it's afforded me the time to really like dig in and make sense of what I want the future to be. But it also has been pretty wild. Like we were shipping out of our house for over a year and now we have a fulfillment center and I feel like things have kind of stabilized and gotten to a place of maybe our new normal. And now we're back in the place of, okay, so how do we grow from here? We feel like we've gone through the really white watery rapids. And now it's like, maybe there's a little bit of stillness for growth and expansion on the other side. But it's been, it was pretty gnarly there for a while. I'm so happy to see, you know, that you made it through so many businesses didn't, right? So it's, it's really incredible. And it, it speaks to your strength a lot. You know, you had to take on so much and you went through a lot. And I love what you said that it accelerated a lot of things. And I, I feel the same, you know, I think if you're willing to kind of just look back and see, I, I really do think, I mean, I can't speak for everyone. It really ruined so many people's livelihood, but for those fortunate enough to have made it through, you know, it really sometimes is a blessing in disguise um, in some ways and, or it could be. And I think it's really great because I know that you, you guys have had your own products forever. You know, you launched and you had the, you have the coconut butters and the salt and the matcha and you have the granola and so many amazing things. And I think, um, yeah, I was just so curious about how that was going to, uh, how you were going to grow it and where you, where you saw the brand growing. So I think it's really exciting because again, you had that experience one-on-one with the end users of all these different products that you've been sharing and selling and people using in the store. So it just makes sense that you guys would go the route to go to skincare. So yeah, excited. it took me a long time to get there, Nikki. Like I, I feel really strongly about, you know, I'm like very, I'm kind of weirdly a minimalist maximalist, but I like going back to that fast fashion conversation at the very beginning of this conversation, I feel hyper concerned about putting things into the world that don't bring value or aren't needed. Like it, it almost like it makes me feel crazy when I just see massive, massive amounts of things that are being created with really no intention behind them. So I, I had like a lot of moments where I was like, is what we're bringing into the world important? Is it needed? Is it special? Is it not around? And I believe that the line that we have created checks all of those boxes, but it took me a long time to get there and to be totally okay with the idea of moving in this direction of more and more of our own products. I will always carry other brands. It's a huge part of what CAP is, is the community of brands that we carry and represent, and also the community of people who rely on all of those brands to be under one roof. But I do feel really strongly about the products that we're going to bring forth being special in the sense that they are not in the market already. Um, And I'm sure you understand that with your like I feel like you filled the you filled the gap that was not I don't even want to say saturated like it wasn't really around and so I feel like you've probably had a really positive response because there's a lot of authenticity and there's a lot of belief and history in the product and I, I just feel like that's so important. 
I completely agree. And I love that you mentioned that. And I'm excited about your line because I think when you come with that intention and you want to share something that maybe hasn't been done before or it's a you know, it's just or in a different way, it really makes a difference. And yes. you yeah, I agree with you. I think that we have so many different, you know, so many options out there now in the wellness world. So it's definitely that like balance of finding something that's unique, but that you really believe yeah. um, you can make an impact on people because it's not there. And I think it's so exciting when you find what that is. It's, yeah. I love that feeling because then, then you can come from the place of really sharing it because you know the difference it'll make for people exactly. and it's not about competition. And like you said, you're going to be selling other people's products because you believe in theirs as well. And it's not going to be in competition because it is just another way to share um, a new, you know, protocol or a new, a new botanical or whatever it is that could be used. And I think that's really exciting. I yeah. can put so that I want to try your um, saffron bath. I need to get my, I'm going to send you some. Yeah. I'm excited. I, I feel like, you know, our brands are so similar in certain ways and the intention behind it and sharing, like you said, the content and having this resource really for people. But then, you know, what you did so well. And I think for us, like we, we were really excited content wise when we launched. So then we wanted to share about the brands and maybe sell other people's products. But for me, I just like could not, I knew my strength didn't lie in managing like mm -hmm. that aspect of it. It's so hard. And I really am inspired by your ability to manage like the inventory for other brands and the cash flow that's required and like just managing the cash flow and sitting on assets yeah. in terms of and then things going bad like i literally i was like i could do it for my own brand yeah. but adding in the home, i'm so by no means a master at it but it is a lot you are doing so much and you're doing it so gracefully and so well i just really admire what you've built that's so um, nice. I have to give a lot of that credit to Julia again, too. She really has shifted the the brand and, and put systems in place where I didn't have them. So she and I, I think, are a really great team. So thank yeah, that's you. That's so awesome. Under her. <laughs> yeah, it's so great when you have the team together. It's, it's a family that's building the brand. And it goes back to just remembering that all these businesses are made up of people, you know, I that know. are just learning and trying to do their best. And I think people forget that. I mean, we notice a lot when people reach out to customer service and it's like, it's us, we're here answering. Um, it's not a robot. <laughs> I think if we, I think there's so much to be learned in what you just said. Like if we actually humanize situations and interactions, I really feel like the world would change. Like if we looked at people as another human that has a history that is more often than not just like you in most ways, there'd be so many things we could solve and resolve. But once we take that human element out of it, it really becomes, you know, it's kind of like trolling or leaving bad reviews or all these things where you actually don't think about that person that it's going to affect. It just allows for an anonymity that I think encourages or can encourage like a lot of cruelty and, and um, misunderstanding that doesn't need to happen. Yeah. So 
I wanted to ask you, because you do so much, I'm curious what your work-life balance looks like because uh. <laughs> is there any? I know that you were recently in an accident, so I'm curious how that shifted things for you, obviously, in terms of maybe needing to take time that you wouldn't have taken. Yeah. So I had an accident at the end of October and I broke a bunch of bones in my pelvis and sacrum. And it was during a writing lesson, which is my favorite time of the week. Um, I was doing lessons and it was like my favorite thing on earth. So it was not only like a physical um, setback, but also like a really emotional setback, um, which is I think what I'm actually experiencing now, like the, the acute physical realm of it is gone like i still have lingering expressions of it just because of the severity of the accident but like i'm not lying in bed on opioids or in a wheelchair anymore so wow that's that was really intense and really humbling in a lot of ways i was doing something that i love more than anything and i was pushing myself to learn something and you know i think we all know as we get older we be, we can become a bit more fearful cautious brittle in in our learning process and so i was pushing myself to do something that was like i said had a little bit of discomfort and it didn't go well and i ended up in the hospital so there's like a lot of kind of emotional reckoning there that i'm that i'm starting to deal with now um yeah post-accident i saw an email that i wrote to one of my partners after um the accident and i was like oh my god like i was really high <laughs> on opioids <laughs> to write like well i'm really sorry that was bananas um because i was on opioids for you know a couple months wow. um, still working like immediately after the accident like for the eight days i was in the hospital i wasn't doing much because i was just sleeping but then i was working after that and you know, like with the acute part of the accident, it really made me slow down because I, I mean, I had to, like, I couldn't, I couldn't do anything on my own. Now that I'm out of that, I'm actually in this state of trying to find that rhythm without having to have an external event mandate it. And I'm, I'm finding that really challenging to be honest. Um, I'm a really hard worker. And it's definitely the thing that I go to that can cover up a lot of other things. Um, I've realized over the years, like that's that's kind of my addiction at this point. So I'm probably not the best person to ask for work-life balance. I'm, I'm trying to figure it out. I don't, that word balance is one that's been a mystery to me really forever. Like I just, yeah. I used to get asked that question a lot. And I was always like, I don't even really... I don't really understand what that means. Like it's not something, it's not a stage of life that I'm in right now. But that being said, the word that does really speak to me that really helps me that I go back to all the time as a North Star is this concept of consistency and just being consistent with the things that make me feel good, both physically and psychologically can be really impactful for me and is the most impactful pursuit as opposed to looking for balance. I have more flexibility now, you know, than I used to be in the store all the time. Sometimes yeah. I find flexibility really empowering. Sometimes I actually find it quite restrictive because I don't know what to do with it. It almost feels like a sheet of paper that I'm about to write on that feels daunting with all the possibilities. So it's, I like a little bit of framework. 
Mm -hmm. So I have like kind of touchstones that I drop into throughout the day. And when I do those, um, I kind of feel like my day can be guided to be, I don't know if better is the word, but just to be a little bit more filled with ease. Yeah. I, I love that so much. I, I love just sharing about consistency and that being something that you look to, because I think that again, balance is different for everyone. Right. And you can look at it in so many different ways. Like for me, I have a family. And so I kind of have to have this, you know, work life balance yep. in some way, but then at the same time to someone else, it could be so unbalanced because I don't take time to I mean, my husband and I were just talking about it. I don't take any extra time really to hang out with friends unless it has to do with work or their work friends. Yes. Or, and yep. it's, it's hard to um, even share that or acknowledge it because I, again, and I think it's different when you love your work so much because it really doesn't feel that way. But then of course, there's so much stress that comes along with work. And it doesn't mean just because you love it that there aren't so many aspects of it that are stressful. But yeah, so balance is different for everyone. But the term consistency, I love that you shared that because, you know, even just that it's um, motivating, right? Yes. Knowing that if you do something consistently, at the end of the day, no matter what, you're going to get somewhere. So that's motivating in life and work. And then, yeah, in life, even with raising a family or like you said, doing lessons, you know, there might be these setbacks yeah. <laughs> like you experienced, but eventually, luckily, like you'll be able to get back on the saddle. You'll be able to learn and be consistent. And then maybe that'll lead to buying a horse, you know, whatever. So I, I love that. And I appreciate you sharing that with us. Thank you. Yeah, it's such a helpful word because it, you know, and consistent, when I say consistency, I mean, I think we probably think like uh, positive consistency, but consistency, if you're doing negative things will add up to a result as well. So I, I try really hard to just like, um, be consistent with the positive actions that make me feel good with the recognition that every once in a while other things will creep in and they're not going to derail the train if i have that kind of framework of positives in place then it can't really be overthrown really easily the foundation is a bit stronger yeah i mean that kind of goes into the, my last question is what's one thing you want to share with more people or wish more people knew just in general about holistic living and wellness and that definitely can answer it but i'm curious like what is it you know what do you want to leave us with huh i mean it, this this the answer for this changes a lot and i do have to say like after my accident it has really shifted a lot and it's really for me i think i approached wellness from a place of um like getting somewhere before fixing something like we mentioned, but now it's really just like taking care of yourself with the best means you can at that moment in time. And that'll change all the time. Sometimes that'll be really beautiful. Sometimes that'll be really patched together. Sometimes that'll be kind of a mess, but just like being kind to yourself in that process and recognizing that we go through so many different moods throughout the course of the day and not letting those run your life, just recognizing that they're like weather and they'll come and go for me has been really helpful in my learning journey. And I've had a lot of kind of mentors and teachers help me through that process and understand that the things 
are always in motion. And sometimes that means they're in motion towards positive, sometimes towards negative, but to not put too much weight into them and just recognize they're all just fleeting moments. That's such great advice because as I get older, I really find myself getting like more upset about things that would have never bothered me before just more quickly. And so I think that's great advice. I appreciate it even for me. So thank you. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, well, thank you so much for joining us. I'm so excited that you also shared with us what you guys are up to at CAP and what's coming. And I can't wait to see the skincare line launch. I can't wait to share it with you.